Welcome back to Clown World this week. I mean, New World next week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I am Ringmaster James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. We can make a large number of body parts that can move in a realistic manner. We have certainly got that story, plus spot bots in the city. But first, Philip Zelikow. Not exactly a household name, but definitely should be. Philip Zelikow, former executive director of the 9-11 Commission to chair the COVID Commission. The University of Virginia announced that its Miller Center for Public Affairs will serve as a base for a COVID Commission planning group led by UVA professor of history, Philip Zelikow, the former executive director of the 9-11 Commission. The planning group hopes to prepare the way for a potential national COVID commission set up to help America and the world learn from this pandemic and safeguard against future threats. This is perhaps the greatest crisis suffered by America, if not the world, since 1945. It is vital to take stock in a massive way of what happened and why. These sorts of civilizational challenges may become more common in the 21st century, and we need to learn from this crisis to strengthen our society. Scholars and journalists will do their job, but there's also the role for the kind of massive investigation and research effort that only a large-scale commission can provide the one and only Professor Zalakow said it gets even better. Here comes the blue ribbon panelists. The nonpartisan group includes more than two dozen virologists, public health experts, clinicians, and former officials, backed by four of America's leading charitable foundations. You're not going to be surprised about these. Schmidt Futures, which of course is Eric Schmidt, Gulag, Alphabet, Bilderberg, the Skull Foundation, which I had to look up, and that's eBay, Fangster, Insider, Philanthropy Group, and of course the kings of giving away shiny new digital dimes, the Rockefeller Foundation, and another one I had to look up, Stand Together, that is Charles Koch, you know, Snoop Dogg's buddy in the cannabis venture. The Miller Center will also work with Event 201 participants, the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security at the Bloomberg School of Public Health. Organizers hope the work will feed into a future national COVID commission set up either by, I don't know, White House, Congress, independent organization. So for all the folks that might be new to this, as we are rapidly approaching the 20th anniversary of 9-11, James, who is Philip Zelikow? Good question. I uh, I guess I'd say that's the million dollar question, but given the inflation lately, I'd say it's the billion dollar question. Uh, I guess the short answer, as uh, as put out in this U- University of Virginia puff piece that we're reading from, is he was the executive director of the 9-11 Commission. Um, but there's a few things that the, is left out of an epithet like that, uh, namely that he was an insider, a Bush administration insider crony uh, who was conflicted top to bottom, who was the second choice to be the executive director of the 9-11 Commission. Everyone might remember that Henry Kissinger, of course, was Bush's first choice, a choice that was so obviously an attempt to cover up what happened on 9-11 rather than to get to the bottom of what happened on 9-11 that even the old gray lady, the prostitute of prostitutes herself, the New York Times, had to admit, oh, Kissinger, this if he's appointing Kissinger, it's clearly a cover-up commission. Um, of course, Kissinger had to resign when the Jersey girls confronted him about, do you have any clients by the name of Bin Laden in Kissinger and Associates? And 
lo and behold, Kissinger decided to recuse himself. No, I think I won't take this appointment. So they got in Philip D. Zelikow, a totally neutral third party, to come in and look at what really happened on 9-11. A totally neutral third party with no ties to the Bush administration, except in 1995 he co-authored a book with uh, Bush's national security advisor, Condoleezza Rice. He was actually part of the transition team that literally moved the Bush administration into the White House at the end of 2000, beginning of 2001. He was uh, appointed to Bush's uh, post-9-11 Foreign Intelligence Advisory Board, and he was the author of the Bush administration's 2002 National Security Strategy, which laid out the case for preemptive war, which was, of course, then used to invade Iraq. Uh, so conflicted was Zelikow that even former counterterror czar himself, Richard Clark, said the fix was in when he saw that Zelikow was being appointed, and he said, quote, could anyone have a more obvious conflict of interest than Zelikow? And the answer, of course, to that was probably not, but at any rate, he certainly absolutely fulfilled his role as executive director of the 9-11 Cover-Up Commission by facilitating the cover-up. And how did he do that? He directed who the commission talked to, under what circumstances, what they talked about, what they didn't talk about, and what ultimately ended up in the final report. One example of that that springs to mind, he, Selikow himself, personally um, talked to Turn, uh, uh, Colonel Anthony Schaefer for hours about able danger and what what did the Pentagon, what did the DIA know pre-9-11? Uh, Schaefer laid it all out in an hours-long conversation that he, he spilled everything that he knew. When he got back to Washington, he said, hey, 9-11 Commission, I'm here. I can talk to you anytime. Never heard from them again. None of his information ended up in the final report. That's just one example of many, many such examples. But perhaps the most egregious one was pointed out by mainstream 9-11 Commission um, critic Philip Shannon, who pointed out that before the commission even had a single internal staff meeting, Zelikow and his uh, professor Ernest May had co-authored a draft of the 9-11 Commission final report, including headings, subheadings, and sub-subheadings. It was so ridiculous that even the 9-11 Commission staff themselves internally parodied this and started sending around a parody draft outline of the Warren Commission report called the preemptive outline, and one of their... Uh, parody headlines in that uh, headings in that Warren Commission report was single bullet. We haven't seen the evidence yet, but really, we're sure. I mean, literally, this is what the 9-11 Commission staffers were circulating internally because of the the uh, uh, committed cover-up that Zelikow absolutely oversaw. So that's the person that they're going to put in charge of this preliminary to the National COVID Commission. Uh, yeah, I think we know where this is trending. But here's an important part of this story that might might get excluded. So let's not exclude it. One of uh, Zelikow's specialties, his, his self-professed specialties, is public myth. The creation and management of public myth. He himself brags that this is his specialty. And in a 1998 article on public myths... Zelikow identified generational myths that are formed by those pivotal events that become etched in the minds of those who have lived through them. And also in 1998, he was writing about catastrophic terrorism, tackling the new danger in foreign affairs, the publication of the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, so he was there steering and shaping the formation of the generational myth for the 21st century, the war on terror, there as the executive director of the 9-11 Commission. And now 
how he's going to shape the generational myth for the biosecurity state, the next generational myth. Absolutely, top to bottom, this is outrageous and disgusting. I hope people will actually read through this University of Virginia Puff piece to see what he's talking about. Oh, we're going to have to get into private firms and nonprofit entities and hospitals and pharmaceutical firms. They all have a role to play and they've all made responses to this disaster. Yeah, wonder if we're really going to get to the bottom of what really happened over the course of the past year or whether it's all going to be covered up and the generational myth for the foundation of the biosecurity state and vaccine passports and all of that are going to be hardwired in through a national commission. This is the way that they they form uh, the, the, the response to these generation-changing kind of events. And so this is where the real action uh, of all of this really comes, is when they start hardwiring it in through these types of things. Absolutely disgusting top to bottom. That was a mouthful. That barely scrapes the surface. If you are interested in more, please type Zelikow into the search bar on CorbettReport.com and you'll find a number of reports, including my 9-11 Suspects piece all about Philip Zelikow and how he ran the 9-11 Cover-Up Commission, and a podcast episode I did called Learn History with Philip Zelikow that I think has a lot to say, um, as I just did. Sorry for taking up that time, James, but I think it's important to put this on the record. This is a cover-up in action. We're watching it happen right now. I've already run the search for folks. I'll put it down in the show notes. The search for Zelikow on CorporateReport.com and the search for Zelikow on MediaMonarchy.com. Guys like this, James, remind me in a way of people like Gerald Posner, that when you see them show up in the news or in the culture, like, oh, man, the fix is in. This is what these guys do. I kind of feel the same way anytime I see them roll John Kerry back out. It's like, oh, they're bringing out one of their classic longtime fixers. I remember seeing Gerald Posner. I think I was visiting family at the time, which probably meant I was watching TV when the D.C. madam was suicided. And watching coverage, and I think I basically even said, and they'll roll out these people like Gerald Posner, and boom, there he shows up on television. The interesting thing, like we discussed last week, the so-called elites, they like to write the future down in advance, and they've just got this amazing ability of soothsaying, and all the things they write seem to come true. Let me just put a little star next to that. You're exactly right. So actually, I have a podcast coming out in the next 24 to 48 hours about that specifically, the remarkable predictions of these types of people and how what they write actually tends to come to pass. So anyway, I'll have more to say about that very shortly. Excellent. Uh, one member of the 9-11 Commission. I can't remember off the top of my head if he resigned, but Max Cleland, I believe, was one of the commissioners that called it, I believe, quote, a national disgrace. However, it is Robopocalypse from here on out on New World Next Week, episode 444, and the numbers will keep coming. $74,000 NYPD robot dog hits the streets of Manhattan. Now viral video show a robot dog, the exact type of which we've spoken about for many years in places like New World Next Week. And here they are now on the streets. A robot dog joining the human members of the NYPD's response to a giant terrorist event, like a bank robbery. Oh, no, it's a domestic dispute inside, basically, New York City Housing Authority projects, a building in the Kipps Bay neighborhood on the east side of Manhattan. I can't believe what I'm seeing. It felt surreal, Tenant Association President Melanie Ocello said. 
Alcella was one of the ones that shot some of those viral videos on her phone and compared the scene she witnessed to something out of a dystopian movie. It scared me, she said. The NYPD, however, said the 70-pound, four-legged robot equipped with cameras, lights, two-way communications, and, of course, artificial intelligence allowing it to move on its own, remained on standby during Monday's response while human officers arrested the suspect and charged him with criminal possession of a weapon. The NYPD reminds us it's used robots in hostage and hazmat situations for four-plus decades now, so why would you freak out now about it? This, however, marks at least the third time the department has deployed one of these robot dogs, a device still in what the NYPD has called its test phase. So they're testing, not using it, of course, on hazmat situations and hostage and bank robberies and the big movie kind of scenarios. They warm us up to the idea of this, and we'll include the videos. NYPD robot dog hits the streets of Manhattan But funny, a a year ago, Robot Dog enforces social distancing in Singapore Park. This from May 11th, 2020 from the Big Brother Corporation. The machine, of course, made by U.S.-based Boston Dynamics, fitted with a camera to monitor how a busy Singapore park becomes filled with people. Don't worry, it carries a loudspeaker to broadcast social distancing messages. And again, James, in some ways, as we've noted in the past, I don't think people who burn books and censor things ever end up on the right side of history. So that's how I kind of wonder about robot dogs shouting propaganda slogans at people thinking they're on the right side of history. But don't worry, they've got the carrot in addition to the stick. Self-disinfecting grocery delivery robots hit the streets of Singapore. So Singapore, of course, leading the charge in the robo-apocalypse, but even more loving than self-disinfecting grocery delivery robots, robot dog to guide the blind and visually impaired. Researchers at the University of California, Berserkly, have developed an entirely autonomous robot capable of guiding partially and non-sighted humans around obstacles and in confined spaces. In the future, the new invention could provide a robotic alternative to traditional guide dogs for the blind. And and if you don't really like that, giant armed robots loom over streets of rebel-controlled Donsk as Ukraine tensions rise. So I guess James Skynet comes equipped with both carrots and sticks, 1984s and Brave New Worlds, I guess. James? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you were saying earlier that this is about the conditioning of the public and sort of leading us into this. What, if it was all presented at once, would be that sci-fi dystopian nightmare. But just a little bit at a time, you see a story here, you see a story there, drip, drip, drip. Eventually, people become conditioned and acclimatized to the idea. And that's, to some extent, we've been covering this as it has been playing out for several years now. You can go back. We've we've had a number of stories over the years about drones being deployed on the public in various ways. And uh, the most recent iteration of that, of course, was our coverage of Spot's Rampage by MSCHF there in New York, uh, taking that Spot... Uh, Boston Dynamic Spot Robot and letting it loose in the art gallery and people can control it. And of course, they attach a paintball gun to it to let you know, because when you look at this robot, you know that one day this will be used to kill people. Yeah, exactly right. And if we don't consciously keep that in the forefront of our mind, then we can be drip, drip, drip conditioned into just accepting, oh, okay, robots are just roaming the streets now. Um, But you're right. I think there needs to be the carrot and the stick when it comes to this. It's not just those horrible, you know, grotesque looking police dogs 
dogs that are you know is going to be attached with a gun one day and is going to come to kill you. It can also be the cute cuddly robots that clean up after people and do all sorts of wonderful things for people. But I don't know. I don't know if that's enough of a carrot. Maybe we need a juicier, maybe a sexier carrot. Right, James? Ah, sexier carrots coming up here in just a moment. It's funny, James. I had actually completely forgotten about Spot's Rampage. What? We had covered that, what, two months ago, tops, probably on New World Next Week? And uh, also- if memory serves, that was one of the videos that got that a uh, strike on my channel and got taken down. But I note, interestingly, it seems to be up on GooTube right now under a different account. So someone else has put it up, and that's fine. But <laughs> it was one of the things that contributed to my channel getting taken down. Yeah, okay. Well, and isn't it, isn't it interesting? Again, we're sort of back to the original guerrilla 9-11 truth days of it's going to be pirate radio. It's going to be multiple, you know, accounts, piggybacking information. It's it's maybe going to go back to the old school. Uh, not so old school. Please keep in mind, Media Monarchy's trend prediction for 2021 was scamdemic paves the way for smart gridification. So as we move to our final segment, just when you thought it was safe to go back into the waters of this technocratic hellscape, it's the sequel nobody asked for, Robopocalypse Segment 2, Electric Sex Boogaloo. You might have seen this story already. Company sells sex robot clones of dead partners using 3D modeling. For many people who have lost their significant others, Sex dolls have provided one way to ease the pain of grief and loneliness. However, sex robot company Lux Botics taking things one step further by offering a clone of dead partners using state-of-the-art three-dimensional modeling. With demand for sex dolls booming, allegedly, amid the ongoing pandemic, I'll take their word for that, I guess, and of course the lockdowns around the world, Lux Botics is offering ultra-realistic humanoids to satisfy the carnal needs of singles. I, I don't think it's exclusively to singles, but within people without any other recourse. The company's flagship adult companion model called Stephanie goes for 6,000 US fiat dollars on the Lux Botics website. The model includes speech control, facial recognition, hyper-realistic eyes option, and even the option of implanted real hair, as well as limited AI capabilities. However, the company also offers the option of creating a facsimile of a lost loved one. The company can create a 3D model prior to it being printed in ultra-fine resolution, or it can just rely on photos of the individual. A model would then be constructed based on that 3D model, complete, of course, with robot skeleton. The robot is then painted and fitted with the lips, nails, eyebrows, and other features the customer chooses. We can make robots that talk, but we have not made robots that truly walk on their own. Luxbotics co-founder, the single-named Bjorn, says... We hope to develop this in the near future, but he goes on, of course, to say, we can make a large number of body parts that can move in a realistic manner. While the company hasn't yet created body doubles, Luxbotics is offering the choice to customers. Since the start of this pandemic, people have been desperate to cope with the solitude of self-isolation and lockdown measures, while many have resorted to traditional measures like purchasing a pet or using dating apps, that traditional method. Sex doll sales have also skyrocketed as people seek an emotional crutch, James, in a world where kind of seems like people are willingly putting brain slugs on their heads to use another Futurama reference. It kind of seems like this next natural step would be 
do, do you want to say it or shall I? Go for it. Don't date robots. There it is. <sighs> yeah, there it is. There it is right in your face and pushed in your face on a daily basis. This is part of a psychological operation to prepare us for the post-human future. And yes, people are increasingly turning to dolls, including robotic sex dolls, I guess, because human contact is increasingly being outright outlawed in some instances. You must stay in your house. You must stay six feet apart. You must not come into contact with anyone that you're not already in contact with. I, I do think to myself, imagine if I was a young single man rather than a married man. Uh, what would I be doing? How would you be socializing? How would you be going out there meeting someone new? Well, I guess, hey, I guess the robotic sex doll will have to do, right? And this is, uh, this is definitely part of that conditioning towards the post-human future, not the trans-human future. I think that's the dream that they try to sell the tech nerds on, but it's really about post-human future, where humanity will be gotten rid of one way or another, genetically engineered out of existence and uh, unbreeding themselves out of existence because they uh, prefer to couple up with sex robots. But I, I, I think this is part of the psyop of general conditioning for that post-human future, because, specifically because I see there's a stable of tabloids, um, the, 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 the Sun, the Daily Star, the New York Post, uh, that has a story about sex robots and or autonomous drone weapon robot kind of things uh, at least two or three times a week. I see it multiple times a week, and I'm not looking for these stories, and I don't look at those outlets in particular, but just going through the news wires, I keep seeing these stories on a repeated basis over and over and over, and they're constantly trying to sell this to you. Case in point, this article that just dropped a couple of days ago from the New York Post this sex doll rants about how despicable the human race is, which kind of combines the fear porn and the porn porn aspects of this sex robot future that they keep trying to condition us into, talking about this AI-equipped sex robot Nova that uh, they've released this video of her talking about, I don't think humans can appreciate what it's like being born into this show of the world you live in. I don't think there is another species on the planet that could do a worse job of environment and, and intercultural management. And just all of this kind of nonsense. Like, what what even is this? Who is this appealing to? What What is the point of this? Why is this a story in a national newspaper? What are they trying to condition you into? It is the post human future that we're being led into right now, and understandably so. You can't have human contact. Well, you might as well just couple up with the robots. You're already spending your life in front of a screen anyway, right? Uh, yeah, this is where we're heading. Well, one thing, it's even already in, it's already in the words and the way that they say it. What did you just say? Is the headline, this sex doll, something, something, something? So that already implies there's all kinds of sex dolls. This sex doll, not that sex doll or those sex dolls. They are all, oh, they're just already everywhere. It sounds like they're selling you a certain style of sex bot. Man, they're going to have to raise my UBI if I'm going to afford a six plus grand sex pot, James. Sex pot, sex bot. Hi. At the end of this New World Next Week episode 440, I mean, how do you how do you follow up the, the sex bot boogaloo? No, no good know. transition there, huh? <laughs> I, 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 not, not, nothing. My years of radio background keep me through. <laughs> However, big, huge freaking thanks for the response to my call for real deal indie rock protest music. James, the emails have not stopped coming. I think I told you I could tell when the episode was published 
because I started getting emails from all kinds of people, all kinds of people with interesting stories as well, not just truth music and protest music. Uh, so again, all that stuff is mostly coming, you know, digital. People have their stuff on all the different platforms and, and the links and things. But people can also use my American post office box to support our work here in New World next week, either separately or together. All the details, of course, down in those show notes. James, uh, yeah, that's uh, Hellscape Clown World episode 444. And again, we've been doing this since October 2009. If we just would, I mean, can you imagine just a bullet list of all the headlines doom scrolling down through what we've been able to put together for 11 years. But again, it's also not all doom. And that is something, thankfully, I get emails about where people thank us for at least, you know, like I say, in the kingdom, laughing to not cry. James. Yeah, in order to maintain some sanity, I think that is important. And uh, in that doom porn list of the, the years and years of headlines, at the very least, there'd be that blip in what was it, 2015, where we had a good news episode every single week or a good news uh, story every single week. Perhaps after this unrelenting hellscape that we've been outlining for months now, if people have a good news story that they'd like to see next week, maybe you can pass us some ideas because uh, it would be nice to take a little bit of a breather and gain some perspective on the nonstop, non-relenting hellhole that we're uh, sinking further and further into. But on that pleasant and happy note, looking forward to doing it again next next week, James. Thanks for uh, three stories. And we should also give a shout out to uh, Fifth Beetle uh, Brock West, who is one of the contributors. Uh, every week we're each selecting one of these stories. So uh, thank you to Brock for not only his video, e video editing, but also helping us to put this together uh, quite literally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we haven't we haven't mentioned that at all. That has been one difference with me, you and Brock have been bringing a story each pretty much since the turn of 2021. So a big, huge thanks and and blessings to Brock and to you, James, as well. Take right. care, buddy. See you next week.